here I was, I was jumping in with both feet as like the most epic stay at home mom that I could be. And quite honestly, the school was getting the best hours of the day with them. I would get them up in the morning and have to shove them out the door in the morning. There's that fight to just get dressed and get breakfast and get the reading slip signed and do all the things. And then I was picking them at three 30 and they were cranky and tired and burnt out. And I had to force them to do homework and get to soccer and get to karate and do all of those things. And I would tuck them in at the end of the night and I didn't really know who they were. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill. And today we're talking about the concept of homeschooling. Educating our kids at home or out in the world instead of the traditional schooling. While the concept might be different or even radical for some, it is on the rise. Since 2012, homeschooling has grown consistently by 3 to 8% per year. So what's the appeal for parents and for kids, right? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Aaron and Kalina Amuchastegi join us on the show today. Kalina and Aaron are parents of four and the authors of the Amazon bestseller, The Five-Hour School Week, an inspirational guide to leaving the classroom to embrace learning in a way you never imagined. So they crafted this book in the midst of their family's journey into homeschooling, and I'm excited to learn more today. Welcome to the show, Kalina and Aaron. Hi, Hi. Hey, thanks for having us. Absolutely, absolutely. And hey, just everybody, just so you know, we've got four kids behind them, and I got two kids behind me. So if you hear some kid noise today, it's all good. It's all good, right? <laughs> so Aaron and Kalina, can you guys take us back? So what originally got you interested in the concept of homeschooling? Yeah, so we actually had all, uh, we had the three older girls in a private school. Uh, our oldest had been in school since uh, she was three years old. We just put her into traditional preschool right away. And uh, we loved our community. We loved our private school community. And one of our uh, one of our favorite administrators, the vice principal, he told me one day he was leaving. He was leaving the school and I was heartbroken. And so I invited him out to coffee just to see like, where are you going? What are you doing? And he told us about... Um, a new path that he was taking, that he was starting an Acton Academy, which is um, it's unconventional education. It's an entrepreneurial based um, school. They start at um, kindergarten and they go all the way through high school. And it really prepares kids for the real world, for becoming an entrepreneur, for starting their own businesses. And it was the first time I had heard of anybody doing something different. And I really respected this man. And it all of a sudden, it got all of my wheels turning at the time because we weren't very happy necessarily with like giving our kids up all day, every day. And when he started to speak of something new, like the world opened up to us, I think. Yeah. Like we, like our journey into like deciding to homeschool was this really long process. Yeah. Right. So the, for the longest time we had, our kids were in school, you know, we were, we were doing everything that we, you know, we were told we were supposed to do. And, um, you know, we would drop the kids off and they'd be in a good mood. And when we would pick them up, they'd be, they'd be tired and cranky. And so we, but we just thought that was the way it was. So we kind of just accepted, no, that's, that's what you do. That's what, what, I, what I did. You know, you just, you just deal with it and it's, and it's real life. And sometimes life is hard. When she talked to Matt, that was kind of the first time that we could say that we could start to question this, to say like, maybe there is another way. 
And so after that, you know, we, we looked at the act and he was starting and we started looking at all these different things and started traveling more with the kids. And so you know, that journey was was probably a, a 12 month journey where we had all these different experiences that led to going, you know what? Homeschool is our answer. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit just to level set. So could you talk to us about what you guys do for a living or what you did do for a living at that time when you were making these decisions about whether or not to homeschool? Yeah, so the I am uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur that owns a couple different businesses, but most of the businesses are real estate based businesses. We would buy houses and we would, you know, we would fix them up and we would rent them out. We would buy houses, we would fix them and sell them. And, you know, right at this time when we started kind of questioning, you know, what was going on, what we should do. One of the first things we did is we just had the, the, the family start traveling with me on some of those things. So I had, uh, you know, a conference that I would go to out in Florida and we'd just pull them out of school for the week and we'd go to Florida and I'd do my work conference and clean would hang out with the kids. Um, or I have, you know, business in, in Texas. And so when I would go out there, it was really like, you know what, um, even though we don't really know what we're doing yet, let's start doing some more like real life activities as yeah. a family. And so, it, it, so part of my our, my job in business was you know was traveling for work and then they started to travel for work with me. Right. That's cool. So you took advantage of the opportunities that you've afforded yourself with on the world of entrepreneurship, where you're not somewhere from nine to five or in an office where the kids are you know essentially doing the same thing that you might be doing. You're you're almost reciprocating your your goals as an entrepreneur for your children when you're talking about homeschooling. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If it, and it, I mean, that really helped us to be able to actually find the path of homeschooling because we had a lot of flexibility to try to instead of saying, "Hey, we, this is what our day to day is going to look like," start and go, "What should our day to day look like?" Yeah. Or, so it's almost as if you. I mean, have you been an entrepreneur since you graduated from college, uh, Aaron? The no. The um, you know, I was when at first it was I, I graduated in construction management. I worked for a home builder, and the I was in the home building industry for a few years. The it all it. First, I started that at the height of the housing boom, and then a few years later, the housing market crashed, and we didn't have that anymore. And you know, I should note too that when I first became an entrepreneur, the then we started, you know, so we had this journey. So I was working for someone else. I'd worked for someone else for a long time, but we kind of knew we wanted to become entrepreneurs. And a big part of that was the, um, you know, when our second daughter was born so early, we had this new kind of family valued deal where we were looking, going, hey, we need to do something different. And as we became entrepreneurs, I say we because we both did, yeah. right? So I started buying houses and fixing them up, and Kalina uh, became a real estate broker, and she would be the one selling it. So I, so we built this this large house flipping company, yeah. and she was working full time, and I was working full time. And why don't you say, talk about just how that kind of led to well, yeah, what so, happened? Right, we built this massive business. I mean, it started off with one or two houses as our goal, and before we knew it, we were flipping thirty houses a month. And wow. I was the and I was the broker of record. In, in the interim, as all of that's happening, like we're having babies, right? Like we started the business and we had an, an, uh, Madeline who was 18 months old. And then Charlotte, who Aaron said was born, uh, seven weeks early and was in the NICU, which just completely freaked us out. Um, so then we started the business. I mean, Charlotte was, I was getting up at 4am and taking my broker's exam, you know, while I'm nursing Charlotte. And then, uh, and shortly after 16 months later, we have Isabel, right? Our third girl. And I'm building a massive brokerage at the time. So, you know, we're sending Maddie off to preschool really early, earlier than she needed to be. We had nannies raising our kids and I was working 70 hours a week. And, 
You know, and I think we fall into that um, no matter what field you're in, right? It's really easy to fall into that work cycle of like, we just need to get ahead. We just need to build this business. And I woke up one day and other people were raising my children and I was really discontent with, you know, financially we were very well off and every other area of our life had kind of fallen to pieces. Right around that same time when we started to talk to Matt, it was like realizing, hey, we're, we're kind of unhappy in the way that we're doing this. Yeah. And maybe there's this other way and, and it started to, to, to you know, create itself. Snowball effect. Yeah. So at what point did you decide to stop doing the real estate side of things, uh, Kalina, to then focus on, you know, uh, either the homeschooling or, or, or motherhood? Yeah. So it started as me becoming just a stay at home mom. We, um, I got pregnant with our fourth child, our son and Aaron's business was doing fairly well on his own. And I was able to step out of the real estate. He had moved a lot of his business out of California and into Texas. And I didn't have my Texas license yet. And it was, Aaron's like, you need to get your Texas license. And it was a time that I said, I don't need to get my Texas license. Like, let's not redo all of our old mistakes. Like, let's not repeat the bad part of history. And so I said, I'm going to cheer you on. Like, I'm going to be the most supportive spouse that I can be as you build that part of your business, this new part of it. But I'm going to focus on our family. Like, I'm going to build out our family and make it its best functioning self. And so, so that's what we did. So he just went and forged that new business and started there. And I really started, I became the PT president for the kids' school. I had our first baby. Like I jumped in with both, both feet to be the best stay at home mom that I could be. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I, first of all, I want to congratulate both of you guys for, you know, um, building your businesses, uh, doing so well so that you have afforded yourself the time in your chi- in your children's younger years to have that presence, to be there for them. And, you know, whether, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're somebody who works a nine to five, you, you both have the opportunity to, you know, work hard and create the financial freedom that you want. And that's, that's what you guys have done. Yeah. So, yeah. I remember thinking she was so crazy when she said, no, I'm, I'm not going to help you build it in Texas. I was like, I, we can't afford it. Like we can't afford not to. And, and she just said, you know, trust me, like you, you focus on that and you're going to be able to do even better in that if I'm supporting you and, and, and supporting the family and, um, and yeah, and we, and we've been, we've been really lucky and, and so grateful of, of the way that it's worked out. But, but all of those changes were based on, we lost so many years with our kids kind of doing it the wrong way. Yeah. And then we had some different experiences with losing some family members and things like that, that we were like, you know what, we're, we're not going to do that anymore. Now we're going to do, you know, experiences over things. We're going to, we're going to start, you know, we're going to make sure we're there for our kids and while they're young enough to where they have to like us. We'll make sure we have a bunch of experiences with them and make the best of that time. Well, that's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Let's talk about your, your your general objections to where you guys were in the school system. It sounds like you chose private school. What was what was your objection to it that, that you said, you know what, this is just not for my kids? You know, essentially, it was just that feeling. I was discontent. Here I was. I was jumping in with both feet as like the most epic stay-at-home mom that I could be. And quite honestly, the school was getting the best hours of the day with them. I mean, I was so discontent. I would get them up in the morning and have to shove them out the door in the morning. And they were, you know, there's that fight to just get dressed and get breakfast and get the reading slip signed and do all the things. And then I was picking them at three 30 and they were cranky and tired and burnt out. And I had to force them to do homework and get to soccer and get to karate and do all of those things. And 
I would tuck them in at the end of the night and I didn't really know who they were. I was, so I'm like, the school's getting the best of them and I'm getting the leftovers. And that's kind of where my initial, my initial feelings started. And then as I was volunteering in the classrooms, it became really apparent how inefficient school was. You know, Aaron was practicing and like really living and even speaking to the philosophy of the four hours work week. And here we had our kids in school for 30 hours a week and it didn't make sense anymore to me, honestly. And so, um, yeah, that was like kind of the first initial, like, this is really inefficient. My oldest daughter who was going into third and fourth grade ha- was starting to develop anxiety issues with a lot of the projects and with the testing, we were starting to deal with social problems. Um, because even in a really nice private school, kids are mean and it's hard to take charge of 30 plus kids in a classroom so that people are treated fairly. And so it just all, you know, as soon as you open your eyes, you start seeing kind of the bigger picture around everything. And that's what happened. You know, there's another part of that too, is there's, there's really so much pressure on kids. So many people will say like, Hey, I went, even what we said, I went to public school when I was a kid. I had this normal thing. My kids are going to do it too. And it's okay. And the, and, but the pressure now I don't remember having to do homework when I was six or seven years old. I didn't, I didn't remember, you know, hours of homework and, and all these extra projects. And then the class projects get to be so intense. They become these family projects where the, you know, the the parents need to make the project because it's so intense. A kid can't. And so they just, it's like all these, our experience, what we saw is so many of the schools and we heard it from people, so many people yeah. since we came out with the book that, um, that everyone's like, no, that's like the, where they, everyone, they keep raising, raising the bar. No, your kid needs to be able to, to read earlier. They need to be able to do this earlier. They need more homework. You'd be like, oh, she's reading at a, your, your third graders reading at a fifth grade level, but it'd be great if she was reading at a seventh grade level. And you're like, yeah. well, if my third graders reading at a seventh grade level, there, there aren't books that are appropriate for her. Yeah. So there's, so a lot of, a lot of things that were, and a lot of those problems too, they weren't necessarily like, I don't think it's, it's not like a school's fault. It's like the system's it's fault, the system's fault, right? Yeah. Cause it's like that everywhere. Yeah. yeah. It's the strive for more. And that's a, that's a thing that we're all kind of combating with as young parents. Absolutely. I, and I, I'm, I'm laughing a little bit. If you guys are seeing this on YouTube, I'm laughing a little bit as they go through this, because I, I do the, you know, my, my wife and I do the homework with my daughter when she comes home and it, yes, it's a family activity or we've signed up for girl scouts and it's like, Hey, we're all selling cookies. Evidently. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, Whoa, yeah. okay. Uh, you know, so I, I hear you. So talk, talk about the first couple of weeks as you guys started to do the homeschooling process. Was it an easy transition? Were the kids into it? How, how did that all go? So we've been working our way up for the last 12 months of like, maybe we want to get out of here. Maybe we want to do something different. And Aaron had booked a trip to Yosemite the previous year before we had, this had even been on our radar. So we pull the kids out of school. We go to Yosemite. We forget their homework. We've gotten this school to give us our homework. We left it at home on accident. There's no cell service. And so we're just in Yosemite and we're like, we're going to put everything that we've been talking about and reading about and wanting to do into practice right now and see how it goes. And so we just spent like seven days learning from park rangers and going on huge hikes. I mean, we had our five-year-old hiking seven miles and we're getting really out of our comfort zone. And, and it's amazing. Like it's this amazing week. And I mean, there's tears and it's like, there's just struggle. And at the end of every night we're going home to bed, like so proud of ourselves. 
And so we get home though, after that week and we've got a week's worth of homework that needs to get done of schoolwork that the kids haven't done. Like on the drive home, you can see Maddie starting to My get stressed again. Like, like at Yosemite, like, she was relieved and then you could start her to get stressed again. Like, wait a second. What are we going to do? And so we get home and I'm unloading all of the stuff and Maddie's starting to like hyperventilate almost like I've got to get my schoolwork done. I have to be at school. Aaron's like, you keep unloading. I'm going to sit down with her and show her that we can get through this. And no joke, Andy, in like less than two hours, Aaron had Maddie through an entire week's worth of work of schoolwork and Charlotte, our kindergartner. And so, and that week they learned a whole new process. They learned long division. Right. And so it was this whole new process. So I take her to school on Monday. She has all of her schoolwork done. I pick her up and Maddie goes, they didn't even finish long division mom. Like they haven't even gotten there. I'm way ahead of the entire class. I'm the class. only one in my class that knows long, division. that knows long division and everything else, all the other homework. And it hit me like in less than two hours, she did an entire week's worth of schoolwork, learned a new concept and was ahead of a class. And I think in that moment, it really just hit me like, I can do this. I can do all of this. This is possible. And so that became the philosophy of where the five hour yeah. school week was built. I mean, as Clea mentioned prior, you know, I would get on stage and, and tell people about Tim Ferriss's four hour work week book. And the strategy is to be more efficient. And when you're not being distracted and you're and you're focusing on, on the task at hand, we learned that that was like the most efficient way was you know, was one on one teaching with focus, with a deadline. And you can get so much done within that time that then it frees up your time for everything else. Everything so that else. that became the strategy that then you took into that first week. You know, he right. asked about what was the first week like. Right. And, well, and the kids were excited because we'd been talking about it for a year. Right. So. I mean, the kids are kind of like, are we going to start homeschooling yet, mom? Like what, what's the holdup? Cause so they, they were, were pumped. Yeah, they were pumped. They were ready because we had talked about it. We had talked about all the pros for so many months. They're like, let's just do this. Like, let's just give it a try. And so, um, I actually pulled them out on, um, conference day. I was supposed to, I went in and I talked to the teachers and if you read my book, I'm bit, like, I go into detail about how just Maddie's teacher was like, Maddie's a straight AT student. She's amazing in every single field. And then all I heard like booming was, but like, but she could do more, but she could read at a higher level, but she can. And I'm like, but what, like, she's nine. Like, what are you talking about? But, and it just, and it was just in that moment I walked, I went to each teacher and I said, you know, they're not going to be back next week. I'll come back and grab get their belongings. Um, we love you guys, but we're trying something new. And, uh, so when I walked home and I told, or when I got home and I told the girls, like I did, I pulled you out of school. They were ecstatic. It was like, good job, mom. It was high fives. And, uh, and the next day they woke up just ready to cook breakfast a lot like your daughter did for you this morning. Like they woke up just ready to like live their life. They woke up rested and happy. Um, I went into that week though, with some expectations, unrealistic expectations. I went in going like, I'm going to call the K through 12 program that I'd seen advertised online and on the commercials. Um, I thought I had it all figured out. I thought I had our curriculum in place and I quickly, quickly realized that there are programs like state mandated programs out there that weren't actually going to fit the lifestyle and how I wanted to homeschool my kids. And so everything that I had like built, like, this is how we're going to homeschool. Like I didn't actually, I hadn't done my research well enough <laughs> and it just like fell apart. And so we just jumped in. So then I started building a curriculum that would work and that turned into the five hour school week. I, I really started it with like, what do you guys want to learn? Like that was like day two. What do you guys want to learn? Okay. How are we going to learn that? 
And that was like step one to the five hour school week all of a sudden. And then a couple of days later, I got up really early and I set up our kitchen table and I turned it into our buffet of learning, right? Where like everything that they wanted to learn, like the material that they would need for that would be present and available for them and ready. So when they woke up, they could like enter it when they were ready. And so I just started figuring out what worked for us and wasn't what wasn't working. And, um, and it went and it, like there were highs and there were lows. Like some days I went to bed going, what are we doing? I have no idea. And then other days I went to bed going, oh my goodness, I learned so much today. And that was so much fun. If I could give any advice to people considering homeschooling or recently homeschooled, I, you know, I would say just there's so many homeschool options out there. There's, a lot there's of so paths. many paths. There's yeah. so many theories. There's so many versions. And I think that people, sometimes they'll try, if, if someone would have tried and stuck with that first website we went to, they, you know, it might work for, for some people, it's going to work very structured five hours in a chair. Still other people, they're going to be like, Hey, this isn't fun. This isn't any different. And so there's, there's just so many curriculums and things out there. I think if if some people are unhappy in homeschooling and they're doing it, then they should look for other curriculums. If some people have tried it and not do it, they should look for other curriculums and other ideas. And the, you know, and just knowing that there are so many options out there that the, and, and everybody's different. So there's like a perfect fit for, for each family. Yeah. But the, but yeah, we were, you know, we had a couple that we were like, Hey, that's going to be our easy solution. And it wasn't for us. Then, then Kalina had to, had to keep researching and find the ways that it was like, Hey, it will work like this. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsor. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for considering our sponsors, everybody. Now let's jump back into the show. talk about your solution then. So walk us through a typical week uh, when you guys are implementing this five-hour school week. 
Yeah. So the kids uh, get to sleep in until they wake up pretty much, which is usually between eight and nine o'clock. So they wake up super rested and they have now just organically fallen into this awesome rhythm where they get up and they make themselves breakfast. Um, each of them are really independent. They dress and shower and just move throughout the morning. They all have like little daily hacks and lists, a lot like what we have of things that they want to accomplish in their mornings. On Mondays, we set out what our week will look like. So we um, make goals for ourselves of things that we want to learn. And we just start usually around 11 to 1130. We're sitting down together and they're each telling me like, we're going to attack this, or we're going to learn this. Sometimes Maddie will spend an hour on social studies and that's all she'll do in one day. And Izzy will just like work on language arts because reading is really important to her right now. So I really give them the freedom to decide what it is that they're jumping into. Uh, I use an online curriculum. It's really simple. I mean, it's one of the most simplistic ones you're going to find. It's called time for learning. And it just moves them through the basics of, um, supposed eight, like grade levels. Um, that being said, like Maddie's in seventh grade, even though she's a sixth grader, she's doing seventh and eighth grade work in social studies, but she's still like lingering in fifth grade math because she just doesn't have a passion for that right now. And I'm okay with that. Like I don't spend a ton of time on grade levels. It's just like where they're comfortable and where they want to learn. So we spend about an hour in traditional curriculum. We spend about 20 to 30 minutes uh, reading together or working on a growth mindset piece. So whether that be vision boards or big life journals, setting affirmations for a week, um, but it's just 20 or 30 minutes that we spend together discussing something of importance to us, of actual value. Uh, the kids independently read, but I let them do that whenever and wherever they're comfortable and when they're ready to. And then they spend the rest of their time doing what they love. They play outside. Um, my oldest Maddie is obsessed with stop motions, making stop motions right now. So she'll spend four or five hours a day taking hundreds and hundreds of videos and then, or uh, pictures and putting them together, piecing them together, playing Legos, playing dolls, just imagining. Uh, we go on a lot of field trips. We do chores around the house. I mean, just real life going to the grocery store is a field trip. You know, we, we spend time talking about what we're putting in our body and where our food is made and how it's processed. I mean, just everything that we focus on as adults, I try to implement that into their daily life. When we talk about pick your five and you know, your five people, those same philosophies that are so important to us as growth mindset people and entrepreneurs, those are the things that I focus on daily for them. And so yeah, this and is like what it looks, I mean, every day is a little bit different, but we fit in like an hour of academics, like hardcore academics of their choice. And then we move on to stuff that's actually a value. To and, us. That's, <laughs> and when it comes down to is that hour a day of academics is equivalent to what they would learn during their yeah. eight hour school day. Absolutely. Right. And so now the rest of the day is sometimes it's not doing much, but it's all, there's all these extra education things. It's going to local children's museums where they can learn a lot. Like you can be a tourist in your own town and go to the courthouse and read when it was built and that sort of, there's so many things that you can do with that extra time. And then so much of it is also that the stuff that we don't learn in school, you know, the, uh, you know, how to make healthy decision-making and there's all, there's just this, this array of things that we get with that extra. So it's not that the learning stops after that hour, hour and a half. The, it's that, no, that's the equivalent of what we think they were getting before. And now we have, now we can do so much more with our day and the rest of it's also a more fun way of learning, you know, personally for it. Part of why it works is because she lets them choose their topics, yeah. right? So a way to get eight hours of, of, of work done in, in one hour is when they're focused on something they want to learn, you know, when they're, when they're not distracted by anything else. 
And they also, their brains are fresh because they're well-rested. They weren't working late on homework and they weren't anything else. Like that's how, that's how you get that eight hours in. Yeah. And then some people like would say they're concerned with Maddie, like, oh, she's only at a fifth grade level of math. What ends up happening over time is they change what they like. Yeah. Right. So if she's doing social studies, social studies, social studies for a couple months, there's going to become a point where she's going to be like, you know what? I'd rather, you know, I want something new. I'm going to go back to math. Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of being flexible with saying, Hey, what do you want to learn today? Choose one of these six topics. That's part of, that's part of how you can get eight hours in, a, in an hour. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I was just thinking about maybe my level of comprehension of social studies at my 37 year old level. And I think it's maybe probably less than a fourth grader level or fifth grader level. So it's just talking about retention. I mean, it's a big part of probably what your message is, is retention as well. Like a lot of the typical ways of going, I remember even just doing my MBA program, you'd go and you'd cram all of the information in your brain as much as possible. So you could take the test and get a good grade. And then this was me. I mean, maybe it's not everybody. I would probably forget that stuff within 36 hours. Oh, and, yeah. um, I don't, I don't think that's the ideal way to learn, but I got my MBA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> and there's, and there's good, and there's reasons for that. Right. Yeah. And the, but yeah, it's like a, it's a test taking system, but I think, I think your story is like most Yeah, people Absolutely. go learn it, but the, uh, but then they're like, okay, I don't need to learn that anymore. Right. Well, I, mean, I, I remember finishing tests going, okay, now I can forget about that. I never need to learn about that type of rock again when I was taking yeah. my geology <laughs> You know, test. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, it's, it, it, that's what's happened when it's set up for, um, you know, tests. If you're, if you, yeah. Hey, I get this grade, then I get the certificate. Hence I then get more money at work. It's, it's right. not, Hey, what am I comprehending? And how is that really changing my life? Anyway, that's a, that's an aside. Um, yeah. so Kalina, let me ask you, so you are uh, a full-time mom with four kids and you are their teacher all day long. How do you find time for yourself? I love that question because everybody asks, I think that's most parents' biggest fear, right? Is that, oh my goodness, my kids are going to be home 24 seven. The amazing thing when you do it in this way where you give them freedom and you encourage independent um, learning is that they become independent learners and they actually don't need you by their side eight hours a day, right? So my kids get up and they move throughout their day very independently now. And it takes time. I don't say that like, oh, that just happened naturally. Like that's not the case at all. But just encouraging that like, okay, you start the program by yourself. Okay, you work on that and I'll come back around and I'll check on that. So that's part of it is that they're very independent in that way. I also set goals for myself with them. They sit down and they know exactly, right now I'm training for an Ironman for an example, right? And when we sat down and I said, mom's training for an Ironman, this is what I'm going to need from you. This is how I'm going to, like my time gets on the calendar the same way that their time gets on a calendar because it's about equal respect in our house. So it's like, I support your dreams and your goals and I make space for that. And in the same way, we ask our kids to do the same for us. And so there's gym time that's on the calendar. Um, and And what's great about that though, is that there's, um, our gym has, fun things for the kids to do while we're working out, which is like social and play for them. They know I have my journal time. I am somebody that gets up and I, I get up an hour to an hour and a half before them to get in my journaling and my reading and the stuff that's really important to me, but it doesn't have to be, it's not this huge sacrifice that people think that it is because we're just living life together. You know, they know that I have goals. They know that the five hour school week community is really important to me. Um, and so I'm, cause I'm working on that. I'm trying to help support other parents and the girls get really excited about that. And so when you have open communication with your kids and you share your dreams and goals with them simultaneously, 
you have room for yourself. You make room for yourself and your family. I think this is, I think this is a really good point to go through because if, even if people aren't interested in homeschooling, I think every right. parent could appreciate how do I get my kids to be a little bit more independent when they are at home with me, whether it's spring yeah. break or summer break. So could you dive into that a little bit more? Was there a point at which your kids were maybe a little clingy on mom and then you figured out a way to say, hey, I've, I got to do my thing. You're going to do your thing. What, what, what's the secret sauce there? Cause I think that's, that's huge. Yeah. I, I mean, I really, I a hundred percent, it sounds so simple, but it's really a hundred percent about open communication. It's really sharing. It's sharing my to-do list. And it's like, look, mom has all of this stuff to do. And 80% of this list is for you. So you need to make space in your life for mommy to do this 20%. It's saying, this is mommy's big goal of releasing a book. And this is the time that I need to build into my schedule to be able to do that. And it, But it's important to explain to them what those dreams mean to me, right? They need to understand, like, I'm helping people in this way. And like, as a family, we get to be a light for other people and they get to be a part of that. For me doing this Ironman, it's something that I'm not a competitor. Like I'm not an athlete and it's showing them, I go, it's important for you guys to see me do this. Like, I want you to see me succeed in something that's really difficult for me. So I need you to be understanding that I need to go to the gym. And I say that, and it sounds very idealistic and like a dream come true. It's not always really easy, right? Like last night we're headed to the gym and my 11 year old is like, I don't want to go to the gym. And it's reminding her like, this is mommy's dream. And today we went to the movies for you guys. And I read you your favorite story and we rode our bikes to the park. And this is about equal respect in our house. And so, um, and when I remind them, Maddie goes, you're right. And I can't wait to see you cross the finish lane, mom, you know, and then they go. And so I think it's about, sometimes we don't think that our kids are, mature enough or that they're not going to understand or that it's selfish, right? Like moms, especially I'll be like, Oh, it's selfish to have my own dream. Absolutely not. Like part of the five hour school week is like, I need to live my biggest life. Like I need to step into my dreams and my goals and I need to do it really big in front of them so that they know what that looks like. If I'm like this mom, that's like, well, I do everything for you. And I'm just going to let all my dreams die. Like what kind of women am I raising? Like what kind of children, like that's not fair to them or to me. And yeah. so I think open communication is the number one, I think to that. Let's talk about some of those other, you know, when you said, Hey, the parents might say this, let's talk about some of those things. So Aaron, one question I had for you, somebody might say, you know what, if my kids aren't in school, then they're, then they're not going to be social. They're going to be antisocial. What would you say to them? Yeah, the and that is that's like the you know the the most common thing that why people don't want to homeschool is they go well what about me time and the other and then the first thing people ask whenever they meet us and we say we homeschool they go well what do they do for socialization and the you know that's it's such a huge topic because I think people when they say socialization they mean like hey are they going to be weird. <laughs> Right. Like that's the question. Like, aren't your kids going to turn out weird? Because socialization is they'll, they'll say, like, what are you doing for healthy socialization? And something that we've kind of learned with that is we turn it around and say, like, is your child situated is a normal public school situation, normal socialization? Like, is that practical, real world experience, too? I went to preschool with 25 kids. Right. When I graduated from high school, 25 of those kids were in my graduating class of 100. Right. So I grew up and knew the same people. I was in the class with the same people. So in a traditional traditional school, you are friends with the people that sit next to you, not because they're good people, bad people. Like you don't get to choose your friend. It's whoever sits next to you becomes your friend that year. 
And that's who you hang out with for better or for worse. And, you know, and so the, I didn't learn good learnings. I didn't learn good, you know, social skills because when I was young enough, uh, uh, you know, they became my friends. And as I got older and the nerves of life come in, I didn't need to meet new people. And I went off to college and I didn't have the skills to be able to meet people. I was not social and I was in this normal environment, but because for me, it didn't really prepare me for that. And so it's, so part of, part of that answer is going, you know, what's your goal, you know, for your social experience and is the one that your kids are in a a, a healthy one? Is it helping prepare them for the world? Part of that too, is as we, as we started to do more, um, go to these like, you know, growth kind of mindset ideas, right? Where it's going, Hey, you want to focus, you want to hang out with people that are winners, like choose the top five, the top 10 people that you want to be the most like and go hang out with them. Right. And so we'd be doing that. But then we were still sending our kids to school. Me and Kalina are saying, hey, we're only going to hang out with winners. The people that bring us down, we are not going to be friends with. But then you send your kids to school and they have to sit down next to whoever's next to them. And that person may be a winner and that person may help them or they may not be a winner. And so the and so now we tell them to focus on the best five or 10. Right. So they have friends nationwide that they go hang out with. They've got friends, you know, Maddie has friends that are at her church group that are her absolute best friends that they build each other up and they see each other a couple times a week. You know, do things like I coach soccer. And so our girls, you know, those three months a year during soccer, those are their, those are their friends they hang out with. And part of that too, is these friendships are, are real, yeah. right? Cause they're getting built on, you know, if people are on a soccer team together, that's different than in a classroom because they have something that they're doing that they're all inter- They're sharing an interest. They're sharing a goal. Yeah. You know, they're in, it together right and so the and when we travel so a lot of our time we fill with travel they go meet people um and part of it too is because they're hanging out with just their siblings most of the time when we do go to a park they walk right up to the other person at the park and introduce themselves because they want to meet people they are so much better at meeting people than i was at their age they are so much more social than i was at their age and they're going to be way more prepared than i was because and part of it too we'll go we'll go travel we'll be on vacation they'll they'll meet kids at the pool that'll become their 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 friend for the week and they have fun but the one of the things people worry about is are they going to you know if you're homeschool and they don't go to normal school are they going to be weird are they going to be able to meet people and talk to people? Are they going to be able to speak, you know, without looking, without getting nervous? Are they going to be able to be confident? Are they going to have skills where they won't be afraid to walk up and say hi to somebody? And then the other part of that, that they have that I think a lot of, you know, normal education doesn't help us with is they also get to learn to choose. They meet somebody and say, this is somebody I want in my life. I want to learn more about them. I want them to be part of my top 10. Or now they get to learn, Hey, I, this person isn't going to be part of that. I'll be friendly. I'll be polite. I'll hang out with them while I'm at the pool today, but I'm not going to ask my mom to go hang out with them tomorrow. And so it's, it's really when people think of that, I think, and if that's a concern, they should look at what is, what do they want their kid to turn out like? What do they mean when they say what socialization? And, and if the fear is, are, are they going to be weird, which is the fear, what does that mean? And then because, because what we've, what we've learned is our fears, because we had the same fears also. We said we will never homeschool. Yeah. Homeschool kids are weird. We are not. We are not that, right? Because we didn't know. Yeah. And then once once we knew and ex- experienced it, we're like, oh, this is. Yeah. Um, you know, they're tur- they're turning out great. Yeah. That's incredible. As you've gone through this journey, and it's what it's been what two years now, something like that. Uh, yeah. Oh, three. Yeah. Three years. Yeah. So during that three years, you guys have probably had a lot of ups and downs. What's one of the proudest moments you've had going through this journey over the past three years uh, using your five hour school week technique? 
Proudest is the harder word. We've had so many moments where we were like, this is exactly what it was for. I know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm thinking about all the things and I'm thinking, um, a few months ago we were in Haiti. We like to go, uh, it was our second trip and we got to bring all four of the kids and it gets overwhelming. I mean, it's, it kids, can be scary. Kids don't travel to Haiti. Right. Kids don't typically travel to Haiti and it's like for parents, it was uncomfortable and a little bit nerve wracking and scary. Right. And so we're staying on the top of this mountain in this resort kind of, and we, as soon as we get there, we walk out the gates to go into the village. And I remember my kids like all whole hands and kind of leading the pack right out these huge gates into the village and swarming them is just like two dozen little village children, right? You know, and you were talking different colors and different, like just so many different things. They're not necessarily like the cleanest and it's a bit terrifying. It's overwhelming. And just watching my kids embrace them and like hold hands with these kids and play ring around the rosy and embrace something that's so scary that most adults, like we try to invite people to Haiti with us all the time and we can't get families to go to watch my family, to watch my kids bravely walk out there and socialize. Like we have language barriers and all of this stuff and they're just comfortable. My kids are comfortable and happy. And I think that those are my you know, we have a lot of little moments like that and there's learning moments where they get like, you see the light bulb go off and they figure out this is how multiplication works for me or these were like this word concept works or whatever. Like we have lots of little moments like that all the time, but like watching my kids fully embrace life, like live a life different than most kids live. Those are my proudest that's moments. Incredible. I, I love that. And I, I mean, that's, um, and that's what it's for, right? You're 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 teaching them experiences, life experiences, real things. So, Kalina and Aaron, where can people find your book and connect with you? All the places we are on. So, I just started a new YouTube series called "I Want to Homeschool, But," and so you can go there. There's several episodes already up on that. Uh, Instagram, Five Hour School Week. I love hanging out on Instagram. I've got a Facebook page, Five Hour School Week, and we have a website. Uh, right and you can also you, know, you buy the book on Amazon we have the Kindle download we have the uh, the, the hardcover that, can, that gets sent out and the uh, and or the paperback and Kalina is going to get studio time in just a few weeks to go record the audible yep. so awesome. she put out a poll to all the people and said should she read it should she have somebody else she's going to go through uh, that and, and go she's going to go go read it and get the audible out soon but there's we yeah. love connecting with people online. Like every day there's someone new that um, I want people to not be afraid to reach out with their questions and stuff yeah. too, because every day somebody new reaches out to Kalina, reaches out to me and, and, they t- and they tell her, Hey, you've changed our life. Like we're doing this, but now we're a little stressed about that. Like we need some help. Yeah. Right. Like, so we, we, we <laughs> yeah. we're on this path, but this is how we experience. And, you know, and there's nothing that lights her up more than when she gets to help somebody and they go, wow, that like, or they go, I've been homeschooling for, for so long and so, you know, and so unhappy and you've helped us. So like, yeah. so find us on Instagram and, and, and reach out, you know, yeah. reach out to Kalina with questions. She wants to help people. We say, we just want to help people live their best life with their kids. I love, so. it. I love it. That's perfect. Well, congratulations to both of you on your success, both from a, you know, building the life that allows you to have this freedom and then also to taking an adventure and doing something completely new and, you know, changing the way that your family operates. And it sounds like everybody's pretty happy. So congratulations. Thanks so much. Thanks for talking to us. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Honestly, I could have kept talking to those two for another hour. <laughs> what a rich 
conversation, giving back, getting the best time with our kids, and teaching the real life lessons that they'll need to thrive in the future. Man, I love this show. <laughs> Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Kalina and Aaron Amuchastegi. Number one, create wealth and build a business so you have choices. Kalina's ability to stay at home with the kids and their ability to homeschool was brought on because both of them grew their real estate businesses and invested in themselves and their kids. This is apparent without us even going into all the financial details. If families are listening to this and have an interest in creating their own five-hour school week, it may have to start with controlling your spending, increasing your income, and then practicing living on one income. Number two, choose a homeschooling path that works for your family. Kalina and Aaron went through many, many paths for homeschooling until they found the one that worked for them. If you're interested in homeschooling, try to review several options to find the one that fits for you. It may not be the first, it may not be the second, even the third. Keep at it until you find the one that fits. And then number three, pick your top five. Oh, this is a good one. Nicole and I have been talking about overstretching ourselves so much lately. Kids activities, birthdays, weddings, dinners, and friends time, pre-K graduation. (laughs) It feels like we're doing so much that we're really doing nothing at all. Kalina and Aaron's point on choosing the top five or top 10 friends, that can also apply to other areas of your life. What activities are essential How many plans are too many plans? When you start to have conversations like this with your spouse and your kids, you can start to define a life of purpose, a life you can feel proud of, and one where your kids can truly grow and thrive. So those were my top three takeaways. Number one, create wealth and build a business so you have choices. Number two, choose a homeschooling path that works for your family. And then number three, pick your top five. Aaron and Kalina, thank you so much for telling us about the five-hour school week and outside of homeschooling, just sharing some incredible life lessons that we can use to improve our family lives. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do any one of these three things, my friends. Number one, join the Thriving Families Facebook community. We're continuing the discussion on Facebook at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash fbgroup or by searching Thriving Families in your Facebook search bar. And then number two, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. And then number three, share this episode with a friend who may be interested in a five-hour school week for their family. You can find this show and all the links and resources mentioned at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 138. 138. And if you're new to the show, I would highly recommend you checking out session 116, the 10 steps to young family wealth and happiness. You can find that at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 116. It is a great place to start. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from John Wooden. The most important thing in the world 
is family and love. Family first, my friends. Carpe diem. Carpe diem.